This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Adidas and the all-new line of Terex Outdoor Gear. I think it is the best-kept secret that um, Adidas has also an outdoor department. This is Christian Zwinger, outdoor design director at Adidas, and a man with a fairly substantial cold. You hear my voice is a little bit, is a little bit dark. But we're going to talk with him anyway, because a few years ago, Adidas started a big push to make their outdoor department a lot more friendly to the outdoors. Cut down on wasted material, cut down on water usage during the manufacturing process. And they did. But Adidas is also making more fundamental changes. They're changing the design of their shoes to make them less resource intensive to produce. And that is changing the aesthetic. And it looks very intuitive. So you're looking at the product and you have already the feeling, ah, okay, that is different to everything I've seen before. The first thing they did on their running and hiking shoes was refine the placement of the reinforcements and abrasion resistance. Some of those choices were to cut down on weight, but they also made the shoes last longer. Make a product that has a longer lifespan or a longer life cycle. It is already environmental friendly. The second thing they did was they started looking closely at which colors they made shoes in. Because it turns out that different colors require different amounts of energy to produce. And the most efficient thing was to just leave the materials in their natural state. We don't need a lot of decoration on the products. The right coloration or even no color at all is then the most beautiful thing. When I got on the phone with Christian, this is not what I thought he was going to talk about. But he says Adidas has a whole department analyzing the environmental impact of all their different products. And this stuff adds up. And whenever we have the feeling that we are having an additional benefit, it is super cool because it is just like this natural fuel that is intensifying the interest in these sustainable ideas. For more on Adidas outdoor products, go to adidas.com slash Terex. That's T-E-R-R-E-X. From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches. Stories from our writers in the field. A couple of years ago, outside writer Wes Seiler wrote an article about a fork. Now, forks are not generally the stuff of great stories. I mean, when it comes to cutlery, the knife is obviously the drama queen. Spoons are at least for digging tunnels or measuring poison. Forks just help you eat. Except, of course, the article wasn't really about a fork. It was about the guy who made it, Owen Mesdag. Owen is one of my favorite people. He is so delightfully and well-intentioned in his insanity that it's just like, a, it's always a pleasure and sort of a bizarre, mind-boggling pleasure to spend time with him. You go on a camping trip with he and his family and he will wake up before everybody else, get his solar oven going and have like fresh cinnamon buns for everybody prepared when you wake up. Wes and Owen first met because of a mutual friend who let them know that the other was planning to climb Mount Baker that same weekend. They both showed up at the trailhead. Turns out that I have an old Land Rover, Owen has an old Land Rover. We were complaining about them. And like five minutes later, he was like, what are you doing this weekend? You want to come stay with me and my family in West Seattle? And I was like, okay. We all went out for dinner and we were sitting in a, in a place in Alki with these beautiful views. And he was just talking and talking and talking about this fork. And it was actually, you know, this really crazy, deeply weird story about something that's just totally mundane that you would never think about twice. I mean, for, forks are not interesting. I think it was just Owen's passion about something that was 
you would never ever think about that you would never consider and here was a guy who was just like so worked up about it and so excited about it and knew every possible detail for production that could ever be considered and just it was yeah it was his personality and his passion for a fork that sort of got me excited Wes's article about this fork is one of those stories that didn't get huge traffic on Outside's website, didn't win any awards or get anthologized anywhere, but it's one of my favorite things that Outside has ever published. So it was the first thing I thought of when we decided to start telling stories about how gear gets made, which is going to be a regular series going forward. Because on some level, gear is a character in most of the stories we tell about being outside. So let's tell the story of that gear. Producer Alex Ward has the first entry in this new series. And we're going to start with that fork. For something that we use every day that we don't think about or care about, really, the fork is a surprisingly complex tool. To really kind of understand the manufacturing of a fork, like, completely took the design for granted. I had no idea how a fork was made. I mean, you look at a fork and it's simple. It's got a handle, it's got some curves, and it's got four tines. You just make a fork and design it. Um... But I honestly had no idea how a fork was made. This is Owen. He's a senior product developer at Mountain Safety Research, an outdoor brand you probably know better as MSR. We're at MSR's headquarters in Seattle, Washington, crammed into a small back room that's full of little bits of materials and thermarests and gear and all sorts of stuff you could dig through for days. Actually, I think I have. This is a prototype. And if you look at the tip of this fork, it's rounded. He's looking through a pile of forks, a mix of prototypes and these metal experiments laying in front of him. Alongside them all is the final packaged product, the MSR Alpine Tool Fork. We probably could have created this fork without going to Thailand, but uh, I don't think I would have been as happy. So the story of how this fork was made starts in the late 90s. And like all the classic fork stories that you've ever heard, it also features a spoon. I think it was 97... 1998, I was in Anderson's Sporting Goods um, down in Salem, Oregon. Um, I walk in there, you know, no money in my pockets, but I still walk around the whole outdoor store. Get to the, and, it, and I got a lot of education, really just reading every packaging and touching everything. And, but it was in that store I saw this spoon, and I remember, like, I think I asked for it for, like, my birthday because I couldn't imagine spending, the, I think the stainless steel spoon was, like, 7 bucks, which is still a lot for just a spoon. Um, and the titanium one was $16, which might as well have been, like, 50 bucks at that time. Um, so that was outrageous. So, yeah, but that was the first time I saw that spoon. Yeah, I just thought it was just a great design. Um, no other company was doing stuff like that. The MSR Alpine Tool Spoon is the same one they still sell today. Its marquee feature is that it doubles as a complete MSR stove repair tool. The handle has these little holes and cutouts that specifically fit stove components, right up to the wrench-shaped handle tip. It can disassemble parts, clean fuel lines, and put it all back together again. Anyway, Owen was enamored with this spoon. It's like, if I brought this, I wouldn't have to bring a spoon and a tool. I just looked at this and I was like, that just was like the perfect answer to two needs I had. And I just have a different appreciation for design. I think, I don't think it's by accident that I ended up working for MSR, you know, in time. Not long after seeing the spoon, Owen moved to Seattle and eventually got a retail job at Outdoor Research. He finished school, started working at the Outdoor Research Lab, which led to a job at Cascade Designs, which is MSR's parent company. In the back of his mind, he wanted to make a fork to go with that MSR spoon. The problem was he wasn't in any position to tell the company what to focus on. And they were telling him to focus on the E-case, a waterproof electronics case. 
as electronic consumer products was kind of becoming mainstream in the outdoor, they had this e-case, this glorified Ziploc bag, um, as the solution for that. And it wasn't, it wasn't a um, good-looking solution. So I was just playing around with materials we had. I was trying to minimize um, waste. So for every large that was cut, you got two windows out, and the scrap from those two windows could cut two small small e-cases. So just reusing, uh, maximizing material usage. This was right around 2007. So when Owen needed something to base the size of the small case on, he figured, why not try this new iPhone thing that had just been announced? And then a coworker got one. We put it in there, and uh, it's it was, I had fortunately come up with the right dimensions before the phone showed up and it fit in there pretty good um and then we uh, discovered that um you could still use the touchscreen through the plastic so you could totally seal it um and the product was super simple it wasn't that it was um wasn't doing anything that wasn't already being done it just was done the right way and the timing just couldn't have been better the phone case was an instant hit which led to Amazon asking for a Kindle-specific case, which led to Owen's promotion to product manager at MSR, where eventually he became the head of the water treatment and cookware divisions. Owen was finally in a position to make a partner for that spoon he'd fallen in love with years ago. The problem was, no one else seemed to care about a fork. There were bigger projects like new stoves and climbing equipment that were the priority. But Owen was on a mission. I was like, I'm doing a fork. Kind of like, almost like immediately i was like we're doing other things but we're doing a fork also and they kind of looked at me as like we're not doing a fork that's crazy and i was like no we're doing a fork because i knew we could do it um i already knew the supplier i knew it would be i already knew the price range we weren't do we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel we're just adding a fork to a lonely spoon i just thought it really belonged in the line and then I'd, for 20 years i thought about it and finally i had the opportunity to so <laughs> 20 years It was finally time to cure the spoon's loneliness. Now, you might be wondering if a fork and a spoon do partner up. They make a spork, right? Why didn't Owen just skip ahead and design that? Well, the answer is no way Owen was ever going to make a spork. Okay, sporks. I have a strong opinion on sporks. Is, um, have you ever heard of a car boat? It's not a very good car. It's not a very good boat. And for me, a spork is a car boat. You're, you've compromised both to create one. And so they're kind of fun. You see, if, you see, if you see one out there, you're kind of like, oh, I see that. Um, it's kind of funny, but it's not exactly what you want. It's a novelty. Okay, so no sporks. Instead, Owen was going to design the best possible fork. But, of course, that's easier said than done. One of the first obstacles when you design outdoor gear is that you don't just need it to be functional. You need it to be functional while maximally utilizing space and weight in a backpack. And we do these framing sessions where it's like, all right, you wake up in the morning and you're going to go on a camping trip. What do you pack in your bag? And you go through that. Just like, so making sure the fork lands in that bag. Because the fork doesn't land in that bag, then frame session's over. So, um, so fork's in the bag, and then what are you going to eat? What kind of food? What, do you, what, do you, what stove are you cooking with? Um, all the way to coming home and washing it. Um, so we do a lot of that kind of stuff. So that can take a couple months. Um, and then you start getting into prototyping. Um, Initially, the idea was to make a fork with different tools in its handle than the spoon. After all, the spoon could handle stove repair. So why not let the fork open bottles or measure in metric units? But after group testing out new handle ideas, they found that people just wanted the same trusty tool handle as the spoon, which made things easier. They could just weld spoon handles onto fork prototypes. And then we think we were just kind of home free. We are like, all right, let's go. And we started playing around with uh, 
Oh, we prototyped them, bent them up, and we started using them. And they realized that the tines can be in so many different configurations, just totally straight, totally curved, a little bit of straight, a little bit of curve, um, thickness, how wide they are, how sharp they are. And it became actually kind of problematic. When Owen finally started sending designs to their longtime supplier in Thailand, there was some pushback. The technical specs they'd adopted from the spoon would be much more difficult with a fork, particularly with the tines, which is the word for the business end of a fork. The variety of what a, a fork can eat um, is different than a spoon. A spoon is almost always the exact same action, a scoop. And with a fork, you're doing a lot of stabbing or spinning or, or picking up. There's, it's more of a delicate tool. And um, I found it actually was, turned out to be a lot more difficult um, especially just without really just copying an existing design that's out there. The prototypes just didn't feel right. So Owen headed to Thailand to understand how forks are actually made. He needed to be able to try out a bunch of different fork options right off the factory floor. So I could just take a bite of something and feel it. It's, it was too hard to call them or email them, and, um, our supplier, and and say, hey, can you send me one that's one millimeter thick? Send me one that's 1.6 millimeters thick and send me one that's 1.8. And um, I think we, we finally got the curve right. Um, and I got the we got the thickness wrong on our samples, and uh, which was kind of a bummer because I'd ordered 200 of them. Owen returned home after the factory testing. But when he got back, the samples he'd chosen just didn't feel right anymore. While we were there, you just, you're so exhausted and you're just testing so many things that... Um, you think you've made the right call and then you go home and you've had time to think about it and then what you ask for shows up and you use it and you're like, oh, this is wrong. And it was, it was my decision. You know, I was wrong. After a solid three months just working on the tines, Owen finally submitted the full order of forks. And when they finally sent us our entire production lot, which was thousands of units, um, they were right. And that was a really good feeling after that. Though it might not seem like it, Owen's passion for creating the perfect fork wasn't just to satisfy a 20-year itch. The market was hungry for forks. The rise of glamping means people are doing more high-quality outdoor cooking. And for backpackers, there's been big advances in dehydrated and freeze-dried foods. You know, the the bag you open up, rip the top off, pour hot water, and wait 10 minutes. Um, Those used to be just slop. Goop and a spoon is exactly what we needed. Now they're getting the quality of those are way better, and a lot of those are actually more enjoyable to eat with a fork because it seems more like real food because they are trying to provide real food. And the experience of like scooping up um, stroganoff with a spoon you're kind of like it's just like prison cafeteria kind of experience. Well, but if you're just, just the fact that you could just do the same thing but with a fork, it feels a little more like something at home than dinner because I think in a lot of ways. Um, some of the, a lot of times the gear we choose to go camping with is actually to bring home with us as we want to sleep comfortably, we want to eat good food, and we just want to have fun. Uh, it's not just to be miserable. Even though I've been on a lot of miserable, mis- miserable trips that I love, um, I want to be comfortable, and so there's certain creature comforts, and sometimes a fork can do that. And, um, and when people use uh, this fork, I hope they take it for granted. I hope they don't even think about it. In a way, Owen is just like a fork tirelessly doing a job that nobody thinks twice about. And nor should you, because planning outdoor activities often means considering lots of little details. Silverware just shouldn't be one of them. But then when you're on that backpacking trip and you're securely lifting that fresh trout you caught from the plate to your mouth while you watch the sunset, 
you'd be so glad they're there. And honestly, good luck doing that with a spork. That's producer Alex Ward. This piece was produced by Alex and Mike Roberts. It was edited by me, Peter Frickret, with music by Robbie Carver. It was brought to you by Adidas and their all-new line of Terex outdoor gear. The Outside Podcast is a production of Outside Magazine and PRX. Next week, we spent 24 hours with a guy who did nothing but pull-ups the whole time. And maybe... In another 500, when I hit 2,000, I'll take a, a five-minute break. So. 2,000 pull-ups, and he was just getting started. What we wanted to know was how and why. That's next week. <laughs>